0: Hello, my name is Zach Rhodes, and I'm a Life Process Program coach. The Life Process Program is a therapeutic coaching program, all online, that helps individuals who are struggling with addiction-related issues so that they can map out a practical, achievable, non-addicted, and a balanced life. In today's video, I'm going to help you understand how to think about your relationship with, and your role in, the life of your child or loved one who may be struggling with addiction-related issues. I've spoken to a lot of parents who are concerned for their children, parents who are familiar with the concept of harm reduction. They believe in self-efficacy as well as the process of natural recovery, yet they are understandably struggling to apply those concepts in their relationship with their own child. And if these concepts that I've just listed sound like jargon to you, then I suggest that you watch some of our last 10-minute videos in which... Dr. Stanton Peel offers insight into natural recovery, self-efficacy, harm reduction, and simply how to help human beings. I've linked to a playlist of all five videos in the show notes. And before I talk about you and your child, I should recap how we at LPP think about addiction. Addiction is not a phenomenon that happens only in response to drugs or alcohol. At the Life Process Program, we say that addiction is a preoccupation that people develop with any activity or involvement, whether that's sex, gambling, gaming, social media, drugs, alcohol, pornography, or even love. By preoccupation, we mean that the person's involvement with this thing or this person becomes one of only a few sources or even the sole source of that person's gratification. While simultaneously producing impairment and distress in their lives. And their involvement with this thing detracts from their ability to produce positive experiences in other and maybe more helpful ways. For example, if a person engages with pornography as a relaxation strategy or as a fill in for intimacy with a real person, then pornography is a tool with some utility and purpose. However, The person may begin over-relying on pornography to relax or to seek intimacy, failing to recognize other ways of calming down or becoming intimate. Of course, we would only call this a problem when the person themselves decides that it's interfering with their life. Like their spouse may be upset because they're spending more time with porn than with them, or they're spending money that they could have used for other important things, or they're feeling less and less able to connect with others in any intimate way or they're actually becoming more and more anxious, even though this is a relaxation tool, and they find that they need to spend more time with pornography to find the relaxation, which is an experience that they now are having trouble fulfilling. Chemicals in the brain are not the cause of addiction. Addiction is an experience. Now that you have the 10,000 foot view of the Life Process Programs Addiction Concept, let me just note two other concepts that Dr. Peel talked about in the videos that I mentioned earlier, and that I've linked to in the show notes. Natural recovery. The term natural recovery means that a person overcomes addiction on their own without support groups, rehab, or therapy. In fact, most people overcome addictions on their own. Thus, any helping professional in the addiction field, including professionals at LPP, the Life Process Program, ought to lean into the self ameliorative process rather than derail it. In other words, we help people think about how to help themselves without imposing our own philosophies. Lastly, there's harm reduction. Harm reduction means meeting people where they are and making it easier for them to participate in their lifestyle in a more safe and less damaging way. You can help people beginning with harm reduction. Step one is to understand other human beings, no matter what ails them, and no matter the extent of differences between your values and theirs. Step two is to acknowledge them and their willingness to take care of themselves and encourage them to compare this more safe version of themselves versus a version of themselves that was oblivious to self-care. Step three is to help people understand their own values and skills and motivation and offer them a reason for caring about those things in the first place. Any subsequent steps along the continuum of well-being include tying these concepts into real life, helping a person experiencing addiction pursue more attractive alternatives to their addictive involvements, attractive alternatives that matter to them and to others, involvements that remind them that their own lives are valuable. There are many ways we can go with this question. and following weeks, I will show you videos that can make up for you an entire problem-solving process for you and your family. Today, I'm only going to help you lay the foundation for a constructive process with your child by simply opening dialogue with them. Beginning the conversation. Boundaries are crucial, but understanding what's difficult for your child is going to help you draw these boundaries together. Let's say your 17-year-old child is in his room smoking cannabis most of the day and he's not participating in school or social activities or job opportunities and let's say that's a problem for you. And whether he acknowledges it or not, you as a parent know that it is or it's going to be a problem for him as well. In this case, one way or another, he is already using cannabis with some sort of regularity, whether you like it or not. If telling him, cut that out, can solve the problem, then God bless. But you've probably tried that. Now, time to relax and build an open line of communication. Communication is a first step to harm reduction. The more you know about your child's life and his thinking, the more opportunities you have to help him behave in a way that's safer and less destructive. You might not like that he's using a drug, but the drug isn't the problem per se. The distress it's causing in his life is the problem. You can begin dialogue with your child by bringing up one of the things you're worried about. Let's say it's schoolwork. You can say, you seem to be having difficulty participating in school. What's going on? Or what's up? There are a few ways he may respond. He might say, I don't know. This sounds like a dead end, but if this is the case, if he says, I don't know, or gives a shrug, you have an opportunity to build trust and an open line of communication. The response might be something like, yeah, that was a big question. Maybe partly because you think I'm gonna make you do something. Look, I'm not going to lecture you about doing better in school. I only want you to know I care about you. How's this? You think about that question and I'll ask again tomorrow. Your job is to share something that's on your mind and my job is only to listen. Now you've opened trust and dialogue. You're offering your child personal agency and offering yourself an opportunity to be helpful where you can without imposing information that will make your child recoil or make things worse. That means when you do revisit the conversation, you need to honor your promise and be a listener. Don't be a fixer right away. Alternatively, your child may answer the question by saying more than just, I don't know. He may have some things to share. If you ask, you seem to be having difficulty participating in school, what's going on? He may offer you a reason. Maybe he says, it's just too hard. But I'm trying. The more I fall behind, the more stressed I get. It's too hard for me to face it. I don't even know where to start. If this is the response, then it's going to be tempting to respond to the response by offering suggestions. Not right away. Reflect on what you heard and demonstrate that you understand. You might say, oh man, it may seem like you're not putting in any effort, but you actually are. You're just overwhelmed at this point and you don't know where to start. Is that what you mean? If it's not what he means, ask him to explain a different way until you do understand. If you got it right, then he'll tell you. And now you're itching to throw a suggestion or three his way. Still don't. Simply engage the problem solving part of his mind by offering the following. Tell me if I'm wrong about this. You're so overwhelmed that it's easier to entertain yourself in your room than participating in homework at all. If you could only figure out how to get started, you would. If he says, that's right, then it's time to finally demonstrate your own concern. You could say something like, that sounds like a tiring thing to face every day. The thing is, I'm your parent. I wanna make sure that you were at least participating so that you don't fall further behind. Okay, now here's the suggestion which is actually an invitation to collaborate with you. You say, I wonder if there's a way for you to relax in your room when you need to, and also find a way to begin your homework each night. That way you don't need to lose any of the comfort, but I will feel good knowing that you're making an effort and hopefully you'll feel like you're getting back on track. Then leave it there. The ball is in his court. He has the freedom to think, freedom to generate a solution, And you have demonstrated in good faith that you're not trying to impose something, but you still have concerns and you're willing to work together with him. That's how you set the stage. You might be thinking, what about boundaries? What about safety? What about the things we talked about in the example, missing out on social activities? What about the weed smoke in your house? Right, now that we've talked about how to set the stage for open dialogue between you and your child, We will get to all of these concerns and more in the next video. This will include a format for how to engage your child in this collaborative problem-solving process. Until next time.